Welcome to EquiManagement's podcast, Disease Du Jour, where each podcast will delve into the research and current best practices for a variety of equine health problems with industry experts. I'm your host, Kimberly Brown, publisher of EquiManagement. Today's guest is Dr. Michelle Frazier, an associate veterinarian at Haggard Equine Medical Institute in Kentucky. Dr. Frazier is a native of Lexington, Kentucky, and she attended the University of Kentucky for her undergraduate education before receiving her DVM from Auburn College of Veterinary Medicine in 1995. After working in a referral clinic in Birmingham, Alabama, she completed a medicine residency at Haggard Equine Medical Institute and obtained her board certification in internal medicine in 1999. After her residency, Dr. Frazier served as an equine clinician and instructor at Kansas State University's Veterinary College before returning to Lexington and establishing a solo practice. Dr. Frazier joined Haggard Equine Medical Institute as an internal medicine specialist in 2004. In 2011, she obtained diplomate status in the Veterinary College of Emergency and Critical Care Medicine, as well as certification in equine acupuncture. Although Dr. Frazier enjoys all aspects of equine internal medicine, she has a particular interest in protein-losing enteropathies, neonatology, and critical care medicine. Dr. Frazier regularly speaks at nationally recognized meetings, including the AAEP and ACVIM forums. She's been published in veterinary journals and is the co-editor of an ultrasound atlas. So thank you, Dr. Frazier, for joining us today on Disease Du Jour to talk about infectious diarrhea in adults and neonatal horses. Thank you, Kimberly. It's good to be here today with you. So let's jump right in. So pretty much every vet sees diarrhea cases. How do you go about determining the cause and whether it's infectious? Well, the first thing I do when I'm presented with a case of diarrhea in a horse, be it a mare or an adult horse or a foal, uh, and sometimes I'm looking at it, sometimes I'm talking to another veterinarian on the phone and, and helping to, to give advice. The first thing I want to do is just establish how sick is this horse. Is this horse in trouble? How quickly do we need to initiate treatment? And what does that t- treatment need to be? So, again, the first focus is going to be stabilizing the horse doing your triage. And how do you determine if the horse is going to stay on the farm or needs to go to the clinic? That's going to be a combination of how sick that horse is and the management capabilities on that particular farm. The first thing we're going to look at is the horse itself. We're going to do a good clinical examination of the horse and determine, is this horse severely dehydrated? Uh, What are the vital parameters on this horse? If the heart rate is significantly above the reference range or the um, horse has severe clinical signs of dehydration, then treatment needs to to commence as soon as possible. And how do you determine whether the horse needs IV fluids or you can work with oral medications to address the dehydration? It's going to be a combination of looking at the blood work. Certainly we want to pull a CBC and a chemistry panel on the horse and depending on where the uh, veterinarian is practicing is going to determine how fast they may get those results back. We're pretty lucky here and we can have our blood work results back within a few hours. I understand in many locations that could be a couple days so you may not have the luxury of that blood work value in front of you to, to use that in establishing a treatment fl- plan. Many cases of diarrhea can be managed with oral fluids. Again it depends on the severity and the progression of the disease. 
Some horses with diarrhea may have colic signs. They may actually be refluxing where they're not able to appropriately absorb those fluids. So certainly in those cases, then IV fluids are gonna be needed. On the tests that you were talking about, when a veterinarian is looking um, and is faced with a fairly severe diarrhea, what kind of tests should that veterinarian be doing and what kind of parameters should he, be look, he or she be looking for on those results? On blood work, it's very common for a horse with diarrhea to have either a very low or a very, white, a very high white count. I'm certainly more concerned when the white count is below the reference range or if there's an increased number of bands or immature neutrophils on that blood work. Hematocrit or Paxil volume is certainly going to indicate the severity of the dehydration and the diarrhea as well. We will sometimes have severe diarrhea cases that come in and these guys will have a 100 heart rate and you know a 60, 70 Paxil. Obviously those horses are in trouble and we need IV fluids, be it crystalloid or colloid support as soon as possible to try to get these guys to turn around. And I know that you had uh, discussed before in a paper about uh, the amount of IV fluid and sometimes that veterinarians need to be giving a lot of IV fluid. And, and it's hard. We obviously deal with animals that weigh a lot. So just supplying the maintenance and the ongoing losses in these horses can be very difficult. When we give crystalloids fluids, as we know, the vast majority of those fluids are going to leave the vascular compartment quite quickly and move to the interstitial space. So sometimes other medications, colloids such as plasma or uh, vetostarch are used to help actually increase the, the vascular component in these uh, horses with severe diarrhea. And for a veterinarian maybe that hasn't seen as many diarrhea cases, especially in neonatal foals, I mean, what is the, the amount? I mean, how are you going to determine when this foal is stabilizing? Again, I think that we have to look at the clinical condition of the horse and if available blood work results. I want to see the hydration improving. I want to see the overall attitude of the horse improving vital parameters, hopefully the heart rate coming down into the reference range. Um, we want to palpate peripheral pulses, make sure that, that we feel like we've got an adequate fluid volume that we can perfuse distal limbs and organs. And when we're talking about diagnostics, um, I know you're very interested in infectious diseases. At what point are you concerned about an infectious disease uh, in an adult or a foal, and what would be your steps that you would take to determine maybe what you're dealing with? I'm always concerned about infection when there's diarrhea in an adult or in a foal. We are not always able to determine if it's infectious, but, but quite commonly we do try to get results on that. Not only is it going to help us treat that particular horse, but it's going to tell us what we need to do on the aftercare and what to look at for the rest of the herd. So as soon as possible, and particularly if owners are okay with the cost of the testing, I'm going to pull um, a, an adult diarrhea panel, as we call it here, but obviously every veterinarian, every lab is going to have their own sort of version of this. Um, the things that I like to test for are um, in an adult horse. I want to test for salmonella, for sure. And typically, in this area anyway, Potomac horse fever. Now. 
that it, there's a bit of a geographical um, distribution for that, but certainly here in central Kentucky, if I have an adult horse with diarrhea and a fever, Potomac horse fever is going to be on my list, and I'm going to treat for it quickly, and I'm going to die, and I'm going to test for it um, as soon as possible to rule that out. Clostridium, I also sometimes test for in adult horses. Uh, that that kind of depends on a case by case, but certainly Salmonella and Potomac, I'm going to test most adult horses for. In foals, I'm going to test for Salmonella, Clostridium, and uh, rotavirus. Clostridial testing can be a little bit difficult in the adult and the foal. The presence of the of the antigen, or just the presence presence of the clostridial organism, is not necessarily indicative of disease. Certainly, many normal foals with normal manure and, and no clinical signs of disease can pass clostridium in their GI tract. So, what we want to test for is the actual toxin, or in the case of clostridium perfringens, the enterotoxin. So, there are tests that are available that, on just a simple fecal sample or fecal swab that the lab can actually test for the presence of the toxin. And certainly if I have a positive toxin for clostridium, I consider that to be significant and a likely cause of diarrhea in a foal. Okay. And of course there is the unfortunate unidentified causes of diarrhea, which every veterinarian I know, it, it just makes them want to pull their hair out because you've got this foal, this uh, usually an adult horse that will have a loose stool, maybe gets a little better, or is just consistently in. You know, what do you do to try and manage these horses? I think these are difficult when we don't have a diagnosis. I think it's, it's difficult for us as veterinarians, and it's difficult for clients because many times they want an answer. Even if it's maybe not a good answer, they want an answer. You know, why is this doing this? And sometimes we simply don't have that. I think these, these chronic diarrheas or acute ones that we don't get an answer to, I think that it could be one of these agents and for whatever reason we didn't pick it up. It could be that one of these agents, salmonella, clostridium, whatever, caused the initial insult, but now that infectious component is gone, but we're left with all the damage that happened. We're left with uh, you know, a, a malabsorption, if you will, from the damage that was done. And that can take a long time to resolve, and in some cases it doesn't resolve. Or it could just be something else that's not infectious. It could be, um, you know, many other things, and without a biopsy, which is many, many times not possible, it's, it's really hard to identify it. Okay, and so whether you've identified or not identified the cause of a diarrhea, after you, you mentioned to me, after you get the horse stabilized, you then have to take into consideration the rest of the herd. So what is the biosecurity concerns and what would you recommend first if the horse is staying on the farm? If the horse is staying on the farm, the veterinarian and the client need to try to isolate that horse as best as possible. Now, sometimes that may be in a separate paddock, sometimes they may, that might be in a stall. Certainly, if it's not a severe case and the horse does not need IV fluids, and keeping that horse in a paddock may be the best thing, and it may be easier to actually uh, do biosecurity and clean the area afterwards. Certainly, you know, a stall with wooden or porous floors is going to be harder to disinfect than a concrete floor. And the advantage to keeping a horse outside, too, is Mother Nature can help, and you can get the sunshine going on that field, and that's going to help 
kill anything that's in there, um, sometimes easier than trying to clean out a stall. Now, when you have a severely compromised horse, that's probably not going to be practical and you're, need to go, you're going to need to keep the horse inside or think about referral to another facility. Certainly, when you have a horse with diarrhea on a farm, the client and the veterinarian need to be very diligent about the rest of the herd. Hopefully, temperatures are being taken on other horses as routine maintenance anyway, but certainly when you've got a horse with diarrhea, temperatures need to be taken. Low-grade fevers that might have been ignored otherwise need to be taken a little more seriously. Any signs of diarrhea in another horse should be addressed uh, quickly in case it's of a similar cause. This episode of Disease Du Jour is brought to you by equinevetedu.com, a free online educational platform for veterinarians, vet students, and vet techs, brought to you by Equimanagement. Visit equinevetedu.com for free race-approved CE and courses on topics of current interest. And when a horse comes into a veterinary clinic with a diarrhea, I know that usually they're fairly severe. What are the other uh, things that you're looking for in these horses? I know they, they will have a lot of times scalding. They will um, maybe go off feed. I mean, what, what other supportive measures do you use for these horses? Well, as you said, many of these are off feed either because they don't feel like eating, they're anorexic, or sometimes, especially in foals, they have reflux, they have gastric reflux uh, secondary to the damage in their GI tract. So we may need to provide uh, calories to these guys since they can't take them in orally. Either they can't or they won't, choosing not to eat. So we may put them on total or partial parenteral nutrition, TPN or PPN, or we may simply put a little dextrose in the fluids to help these guys with their uh, caloric needs. And is there anything when you are working with a horse either on the farm or in the clinic that you have found through your experience that can help these, these horses maybe come back a little quicker? I think it's a case-by-case -case situation on how we're going to manage it. Um, a, lot of, a question I get a lot from veterinarians is do you or do you not use antibiotics in a case, especially if it's, say, salmonella. And again, I, I don't have a cookbook answer for that. I think you have to look at each case and you have to put the whole picture together. But in my opinion, or in, in my practice, I, if I have a foal with salmonella or clostridial organism, I'm definitely gonna have that foal on antibiotics. I'm gonna have them on broad spectrum until I get a culture with a sensitivity back that may point me to a different antibiotic. But I'm gonna cover my bases with broad spectrum to that point. On an adult horse, I may not put that horse on antibiotics, even if I have a salmonella result back. Now there are some exceptions to that. If it's a pregnant mare, if it's a very old horse, as I already said, a very young horse, or if this horse is just really sick. If the horse has fevers, um, the case I mentioned with the 100 heart rate and the reflux, certainly those cases are going to go on antibiotics. But if I have, say, uh, you know, a middle-aged riding horse, that does not have a fever, that's not acting sick, but just has a little loose manure and we get a positive result, I may not put that horse on antibiotics. But again, it is a case-by-case -case, uh, management and it's a case that needs to be addressed daily because that may change. Something in that situation or that clinical uh, picture may change that would prompt me to go ahead and put them on antibiotics. So with foals that you try broad-spectrum antibiotic, is there a, a 
antibiotic of choice because I know that sometimes foals um, that are contracted, you know, veterinarians use antibiotics to help relax their tendons. So is there a specific antibiotic that you like to use in order to, you know, there's not. I like broad spectrum, so if the creatinine is okay, if I feel like renal function is okay, I'm probably going to pick an aminoglycoside, and that may be genocin or amicacin, depending on the case, and I'm going to pick something for gram-positive coverage, and that's going to be either a penicillin or some derivative of a penicillin. It might be potassium penicillin, ampicillin, septiofur, septazidine, so um, it depends on the case and the situation which one I'm going to choose. I often use metronidazole in diarrhea cases also. Uh, it provides anaerobic coverage to, uh, to really give you that broad spectrum coverage. And some veterinarians will say that they will put foals especially that have any kind of a GI problem going on on some gastric medication. Is that something you feel is useful? Definitely. That is a very good question, and I think any horse should go on some type of gastroprotectant. In foals, depending on the severity, I'm going to put them on sucralfate. And if I'm really concerned, I'm going to add ranitidine. If it's an older foal, I may even use um, omeprazole as well. In adult horses, again, I'm going to probably put them on omeprazole and maybe even ranitidine. So let's talk about the management of a foal when a mare's sick and the management of the mare when the foal's sick. So what is your preference if you have a sick foal that has to be hospitalized or kept up in a stall? If the foal is sick, it certainly depends on the age, but generally I like to keep it with the mare. I think that the weaning process is certainly very stressful on the foal. So if the foal is already sick, then the last thing we need to do is something that's going to add a significant amount of stress to that foal. Now certainly there's situations when that just simply can't happen, but for the most part, at least here, we keep them together. Now when the mare's sick, that may be a different story. And certainly I understand that the ideal environment for the foal is not standing in a clinic in a stall with a mare that's passing diarrhea. So many times the owner or the veterinarian may opt to go ahead and wean and take the mare in and leave the foal at the farm. The uh, veterinarian and the client need to continue to isolate that foal because even if the foal is not showing clinical signs at that point, that, that could change in the next 24, 48, 72 hours. So you need to watch that foal closely and make sure that you don't start to see clinical signs of diarrhea in the foal as well. It's certainly hard to run IV fluids to a horse when there's another horse in the stall. <laughs> it depends on personality and how wild that foal may be and uh, how, unfortunately, how sick that foal may be. Uh, here, we're lucky and we have stalls that are equipped with um, optional cages. So if we've got a foal that wraps around the mare 20 times and constantly breaks IV lines, we'll put the foal in a cage while it's getting IV fluids and then we'll let it back out with the mare when it's not. And that just makes the management easier of um, having to deal with all those lines. Cages also work very well if the foal is refluxing and we don't want the foal to nurse. And sometimes I'll put a muzzle on the foal, but sometimes I, I for whatever reason, don't want to cover up the nose of the foal. Um, and sometimes when these foals have muzzles on, they absolutely drive the mare crazy. They go over there and they try to nurse nonstop and they hit her constantly with this muzzle. And it, it can actually cause erosions on the mare's abdomen and on her udder. 
So certainly in those cases, it's good to do some type of partition across the stall. So they're together. They don't have the stress of being separated or weaned, but yet you can deal with these two cases, uh, the mare and the foal, without tangling lines and all that that goes with it. And I know we, we discuss gastroprotectants and, you know, the pharmaceuticals that can be used, but there's a lot of other things that are on the market um, that may be, you know, promoted by a company or an owner or a veterinarian to help these gastrointestinal cases. Is there... You know, what, what are your thoughts on these products? I think these are great products, and there are many products available. Uh, to mention a few, not an all-inclusive list by any means, but there's Saccharomyces, um, BioSponge, uh, yogurt you get from your grocery store. You know, so there, there's many products out there, and many veterinarians have their, their own sort of recipe of what they like to use of these products. I don't think there's a right or wrong on these, but I definitely use them, and Again, sometimes this is case selection. I may try one particular oral product, and if I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere, I may try a different one. So it just, it just depends on the case. And when you see a mare or a foal or an adult horse or a foal that seems to be getting better, at what point do you feel safe releasing a biosecurity type of measurements that you've had on the farm or on the horse? Certainly, if a horse has tested positive for an infectious agent such as salmonella or clostridium, then I want a negative result, again, before I feel comfortable. With salmonella, we know that horses shed this organism intermittently in their GI tract, so I actually want three negative cultures pulled over at least a two-week period of time before I feel safe saying that that horse can go back into um, an environment with other animals, and, and not just other horses, but I also worry about you know, barn, barn cats, the dogs, the other staff on the farm, you know, everybody, every animal needs to uh, be very conscious of the, the biosecurity plan and the potential that this disease could spread to, to them or to another animal on the farm. But in general, I want two weeks after the resolution of clinical signs and a negative result uh, for whatever it tested positive for. Now, the exception to that might be Potomac. I don't generally retest those guys. I just want a resolution of clinical signs and then um, at least two weeks to pass. Okay. And we had talked um, previously about, you know, secondary problems that can happen. And, and you were talking about making sure you check horses' feet when they have diarrhea. Definitely, as we know with horses, laminitis, feet problems can be secondary to any issue in the horse, but particularly diarrhea, particularly any, any disease that makes a horse really sick. And unfortunately, that's what diarrhea and, and especially salmonella or potomac or clostridium can do. So foot care um, is, is paramount. When I have a really sick diarrhea case in here, I put them in ice immediately. 24-7, they stand in ice boots. Um, to help prevent laminitis. I put them on anti-inflammatory medications and I watch those feet very, very closely. We know with Potomac horse fever that there's a high, um, a high chance of laminitis and sometimes that doesn't occur till after the resolution of disease. And that's certainly so frustrating for clients and veterinarians. To have a horse, you get over the primary disease and then 24, 48, 48 hours later, you see the effects on the feet and that, that's just, devastating for everybody. So certainly be proactive on the feet. 
I mentioned Potomac horse fever, and uh, when we talked about whether or not to do antibiotics on horses with diarrhea, I want to jump back to the Potomac and say that if there's any reason that that someone suspects Potomac horse fever, then I would recommend treating for that immediately. Potomac is, in my opinion, is one of those diseases that responds very, very well to oxytetracycline, but it needs to be given very soon in the course of disease. So I don't wait for my uh, Potomac horse fever results to start treatment. If I have an adult horse with diarrhea and a fever and even potentially a low white count, then Potomac is high on my list and I'm gonna start that horse on oxytetracycline if my creatinine is okay and the horse is hydrated. I certainly don't want to harm the kidneys with the medication, so I'm gonna weigh the, the odds that I think this horse has Potomac against the potential damage to the kidneys, but I'm, if at all possible, gonna go ahead and give that antibiotic as soon as possible. Well, this has been an interesting conversation, and we really appreciate you, Dr. Frazier, for joining us today on Equimanagement's Disease Du Jour. And thank you for listening to our podcast. You can hear previous and future podcasts of Disease Du Jour on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. We hope you will join us in the future for another episode of Disease Du Jour.